Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the Fateful. And for the Fateful, I'm David. Here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good. Beautiful day. Yeah. Uh, every day. Yeah, and I understand you were in Radium this weekend. I was, yeah. I had uh, I got in on Friday night, left Sunday and drove all the way up, but we called it the Nuge Highway, Highway 93. Comes up from BC, uh, from Radium all the way to, uh, joins up with the one for a while, and then it splits off again. It's the 93 in Alberta that uh, is the Icefields Parkway, and we took it all the way up to Jasper. And, Kind of the long way home, but my, oh, my. All the radium to Jasper the whole way was just gorgeous. Isn't it? Did you go to the hot springs? Uh, nope. Didn't have time for that. We were uh, down there for our 45th annual hockey pool, National Eternal Hockey Draft. We've been doing it since 79 uh, when the Oilers got into the league. First ever pick in our league was Wayne Gretzky. 1979, uh-huh. and I'm now the defending champion. So, well, congratulations! But Bruce, you didn't go to the Radium Hot Springs. A little Springs celebration. You're, you didn't go to the Radium Hot Springs when you're in Radium. Uh, well, no, I didn't. All right, you're not a Hot Springs guy. Uh, not particularly. We probably should have tried it, I guess. Oh but, yeah, uh, I love Hot Springs. Our, so. our days were pretty full, and I walked in Radium th- three days, three sure. different places. That was. That was pretty nice. We have, you know, sort of social stuff going on. I often so. went there as a kid to Red Streak Campground. Yes, yes. I walked in Red Streak yesterday morning. It was beautiful. Yeah. All right. So the Oilers have their final roster, maybe. Still not been formally announced, I guess, <laughs> on Cap Friendly. Mm-hmm. But um, looks like the roster's in place, Bruce. And there's absolutely zero surprises on the roster. <laughs> um, if you had said at the start of trading camp, who will be on the roster, you would have named all these players, with the possible exception of one. You might have included Raphael Lavoie. And he's not on the roster. He was um, waived um, yesterday. And today on Monday, he passed through waivers successfully for the Oilers' point of view. Mm-hmm. And he can now be reassigned to Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. He's also got a 30-day window, as I understand it, where he can be um, recalled to Edmonton without going through waivers. And um, gives the Oilers some flexibility in case they do want to bring him back. But I understand, Bruce, there's an article in The Athletic today that mm-hmm. says yeah. that Lavoie wasn't going to make the team... Like, just one final thing here. Yeah. Mark Steemalainen got hurt during mm-hmm. uh, training camp, and this was a complicating factor. And uh, you can't send a player down who's injured. And it looked like um, this was the reason that Lavoie, <coughs> excuse me, Lavoie was waived, is that they had to keep Steemalainen around. But apparently he wasn't going to stay in any case. So tell me about that. Yeah, well, this is according to uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman of uh, of The Athletic. And he says... Uh, an injury to Marcus Niemelainen and put a wrinkle in Oilers' plans to set their roster. Uh, it's caused them to carry 11 forwards and 8 D-men as part of their 21-man group rather than expected 12 and 7. 
And he says, what Niemann status didn't do is influence their decision to put Raphael Lavoie on waivers. GM Ken Holland told the Athletic that the 23-year-old winger would have only made the orders if they were able to cap 13 or 14 forwards on the roster. To Holland, it comes down to where Lavoie is in his career in concert with where the Oilers are and their evolution. He's coming, he's improving. By making Rafi available, we took the risk that he was going to be claimed. Uh, but with a 19-skater roster, it doesn't give us the luxury to carry a young player that we can grow. We need everybody, all hands on deck. We're trying to field the best team we can. And then much to Holland's relief, he Lavoie cleared waivers on Monday along with Ben Gleason and center Len Peterson. So he just wants him to keep developing down in Bakersfield and do keep doing what he was doing the second half of last year and do it even better. And, you know, and, and as uh, Daniel says, it's going to take an injury or two, probably of the LTIR variety to clear cap space or some subpar play from a depth forward for him to get to get chance. And of course, this is what happened last year with Clem Costin. You know, he started the year in the minors and he had to wait for an injury. And when Kane got hurt, that's when he finally got his chance. And uh, uh, Lavoie is at a similar stage in the process, having cleared waivers. Now the team has control of the guy. And to clarify slightly what you said before, uh, they can call him up at any time in the future, and from that day, they have 30 days where they can use him for a while, and then still send him out and not have to waive him again. Oh, I see. Thanks. Or if for he that plays, person. or if he plays 10 games, as soon as he <clears throat> plays 10 games, or he's on the roster for 30 days, then he's considered a full-time NHLer again, or that has to clear waivers. Wow. So, so, so now all of a sudden, huge. they got a ton of flexibility today, by you know by passing through this shell game, which you know it's. It's odd how this league plays it, but they play it that way consistently. Guys don't get claimed very often. And uh, by getting all three guys through, Holland has that kind of flexibility now on, you know, Rafa Lavoie, a power winger, on uh, Lane Peterson, a right shot center, and on Ben Gleason, you know, a tweener, sort of number eight uh, defenseman. Any of those three guys, I mean, they're all in Bakersfield now, going to be playing down there. And any such times he needs a player, I mean, they would probably be one, two, and three on the call-up list, depending on the need by position. And based on what Holland says here, uh, Lavoie is probably number three. He does think Lavoie will be a second pick he ever made as the team's GM, by the way. So mm-hmm. it's not something he's doing lightly, right? Uh, yeah. To be cutting and exposing a guy that he invested a pretty high draft pick. But he does think he'll be an NHL regular. He says, if you look at all these young guys, he mentioned Evan Bouchard, Dylan Holloway, and Philip Roberg, they didn't just all of a sudden show up and play 80 games. I don't envision Rafi could do that. When we're only carrying 12 forwards, we've got to carry forwards that are going to be in the lineup every night. They can't go through growing pains. So that's Holland's position, as he wants veterans. Simply you know, the real, the real tell, Bruce, was with Brandon, when Brandon Sutter was in town, uh-huh. he was basically being handed a job, it seemed like, by um, the pundits closest to the team. And it seemed like, to me, to the team. Like, it seemed like the coaches really wanted Brandon Sutter to make the team and be that, be that veteran. And it just struck me there great preference for veteran players came through in that moment because Brandon Sutter was nowhere close to being up to NHL speed I think Mm -hmm. you know just as an observer watching the games I didn't see it ever I mean I saw a player who was smart and could dump the puck in 
but I didn't mm-hmm. see a player who could win pucks or defend at NHL speed. But they were, it just seemed like there was this momentum well, building there a, for. There was a Brandon narrative Sutter. out there. I, I didn't believe a lot of that <clears throat> narrative. A lot of it is the, uh, are people that are, you know, rooting for Rafa Lavoie. And look at the Oilers bringing this old guy to take his job away. And, you know, completely know different jobs, completely different jobs for starters. Some real insiders were saying uh, Sutter was, had the inside track, like Spectre was uh, saying it, Kurt Levins was saying it. You know, people who well, sometimes know what's going on. So Yeah, no, I got and, that. And I think, in a perfect I think world, if he come back healthy, he might have had that shot, but he didn't, and he knew it, and he, to his credit, he recognized it, and he walked out with his head held high and said, I gave it my shot, and I'm not going to be able to do it. So... Now you I'm mentioned Adam Ernie. What they want, want they want a veteran, and I'm mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say they're going to sign Adam Ernie. Mm-hmm. I, I think gonna he's going to be their 12th forward because that's what they want. They want mm-hmm. a veteran player. Brad Malone, mm-hmm. uh, the other guy who was in the running for second. I mean, he's not even close to being up the NHL speed, if you ask me. No. Like I don't, no, he's slow. He's I don't slow. get it at all. But Adam Ernie um, mm-hmm. hasn't been great, but he has been. I mean, he's been as outside of the goal scoring, he's been as good as Raphael Lavoie. Like, Raphael Lavoie has a good shot. Adam Ernie is a better player, though, in every other aspect of the game right now, um, as far as I can see. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying that Adam Ernie or Lavoie are... I wasn't impressed by either, honestly, during the training mm-hmm. camp. And and if they had lost Lavoie in waivers, I know a lot of people would have lost their freaking minds. I would have been a little bit more calm about it because, I, I mean... It was interesting, like the people who watch Bakersfield closely, I, I didn't last year, but there was a number of people that, that do, and they were divided on him. I mean, there's um, Ira Cooper, who watches it closely. He was quite a Lavoie fan, as I as I mm-hmm. was telling from his posts, but he was quite realistic about uh, Lavoie being able to pass through waivers. Ira thought it was going to happen. I think there's Bruce Kerlock, um, yep. for it's for Oilers Nation, and I think he was quite a fan of Lavoie, if I'm yes. not mistaken. But yeah. a guy, there's... Um, what is Rich's last name? Um, he's on Twitter. Guy lives in Bakersfield. Yeah, yeah, goes to the game. He's East at Eastern Rich, Refugee. I, I was going to say I Rich Preston, his last name, but I don't know if he has his last name. That was name, a player. That was a hockey player. Anyway, Rich um, goes to all the games, and he was not that sold on Lavoie as a player. You know, he was saying, uh, you know, Lavoie had up and down moments and was inconsistent. And there's lots of players as good as Raphael Lavoie in the AHL. Mm. My own viewing of Raphael Lavoie is. Um, he needs to hit more. He needs yeah. to play a more physical game. This is the, my constant uh, refrain with AHL hockey players. You are so close to $10 million NHL career, $20 million NHL career. Hit somebody. Like, get out there and hit some. Like, play a physical game, Raphael Lavoie, and you will make the NHL. He's not just on skill, which is what he seemed to be going with. I mean, he, I think he's a, he, he, I've seen him play aggressively and I just don't, I don't understand Bruce why when he gets the chance of preseason, he just doesn't go for it and run through players, go right through them to make the NHL. Cause he might've made it then if he had done that, mm-hmm. but I didn't even see one big hit. I saw him puck protect a few times. Yeah, I was going to say, but maybe that's not his game hitting. I mean, but uh, again, I would say, make it your game, make it your mm-hmm. game. And you might make. $10 million. Right. But yeah, there's different ways of, uh, of using phys- physicality and puck protecting. 
uh, bouncing guys that come in to hit you and wind up hitting the ice like he did to that big Logan Stanley in Winnipeg. I like that hit plenty, and that was a reverse hit. Stanley went from hitter to hitty in about an eighth of a second and uh, on his butt on the ice, and, and you know, he showed his his uh, power on plays like that. And some, some of the big guys are more puck protectors than they are. Like Penner. Uh, Dustin yeah, Penner, like big, Dustin example. Penner's a perfect example. Mike Kuschelniski was such a player. Uh, you could argue Leon Dreisaitl is such a player. He can hit, but his real strength is to protect the puck and reverse hit guys and, you know, to make them pay the price when they come at him, I guess is the way to put it, as opposed to running around looking to cream guys. He'll do it on occasion, but uh, and often you'll find that uh, um, some of the goal scorers, and you know, uh, the big strong guys, that's what they do. It's just they're really good at protecting their own space. So, and I'm not saying that Lavoie shouldn't be looking to do more. And some of the feedback I kept seeing about him was, even though he had like 15 shots in the preseason, and, you know, he was, had some pretty nice uh, uh, numbers against, you know, different levels of competition, obviously. Uh, he uh, uh, didn't do enough to be visible. And some of that was just simply being, you know, clear of the track kind of, moments where you have to you know just not be denied by you know power. Yeah. And, he, and he did make some good plays to power the puck to the net you can see the skill and you can see there might be a player there but uh apparently as far as ken holland's concerned it's not yet because he's going to have a roster of 12 and 7 and he wants uh seven nhl defenders and 12 nhl forwards and then let the injury guards or let Jay Woodcroft decide on a given night, is it 11-7 or 12-6? You can go either way. Which kind of brings us back to Nima Lyon having to be um, put on the roster because he did this year in the second year of his two-year contract. He became a one-way NHL-only contract. Mm-hmm. And that immediately bit the Oilers on the ass because because he's on a one-year contract, he uh, can't be... Uh, uh, he can't be put. He can't be put on waivers, nor can he be assumed to not be on the team. Whereas a two-way guy, if he gets hurt in camp, well, you know, he he doesn't show up as a problem on the roster. And Nima Linen, they could put him on long-term injured reserve and sort of keep the spot open. But immediately that puts him right back in the cap jail they've been dealing with for the last three years with clap bombs uh, injury, and that's the very last thing they want. So they thought, well, we've got to put a place for him on the roster. We got a 21-man roster. We got 20 guys that have been fixed for a month, and uh, 21st spot. It was going to be maybe Lavoie, maybe it was going to be Peterson, maybe it was going to be Ernie. Guess what? It's going to be Marcus Niemelainen to open the season. We're going to have to go 11-8-2, and once we do open the season, once we get to day two, we can make moves. And I would personally expect to see uh, Niemelainen go on. Uh, long-term injured reserve on day two, uh, and then a replacement brought in, either Adam Ernie signed, as you say, which is very possible, or uh, possibly Lane Peterson brought back up as the 12th forward. What's your bet, Bruce? I'm, I'm going with Ernie. What's your bet? Yeah, I'm kind of leaning that way, too. These other guys have cleared, and they, you know he's still around. They just can't sign him yet, but I think even as early as tomorrow, this is uh, Thanksgiving Monday the 9th that we're talking, and the rosters are being declared today. Um, orders, we're still waiting, but we know who the 21 guys are. Uh, and then, so they have to 
crystallize that opening roster. And there's certain things they have to do. They had to get Philip Broberg and Dylan Holloway on the roster. Just like last year, they had to squeeze those guys into their tight roster because they're on entry-level contracts with big bonuses. And either you get them on the roster at the beginning of the season, or if you call them up later <coughs> in the season, you have to you get their bonuses is a is an issue. So they have um, uh, they have uh, they wanted to get those guys on the team, and again, that's that's my understanding. I'm just going to double check something on that. Uh, Adam Erne, 61 games last year, 18 points, eight goals, 10 assists. <laughs> Minus 12. Yeah. Year before, 79 games, um, 19 points, minus 22. He was on What's a terrible. Detroit, eh? Detroit Red Wings team. So the minus, plus minus is a team stat. It's earned by multiple players, not just by Erne. And uh, you only put so much weight in, in that. I mean, he, he could have been doing his job, essentially, and still get dragged down by um, a number of ineffective defensemen and other players on the ice. Okay. <coughs> So I need, I need to correct myself. Sorry. Uh, uh, a friend of the blog, uh, uh, Ira Cooper, original Posar, uh, sent me a note on this earlier today, and I'm still getting it wrong. So, me a call. Go. Okay. He says, Bruce, with respect, uh, uh, your take on performance bonuses is not right. It's only an issue for teams going in LTIR, which the orders are not. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this the, bit. This business of uh, Broberg's or uh, Holloway's, I misstated. Uh, fact is, neither of those guys was going to go down really under any circumstances. And I guess they just decided, well, these guys, we need tweeners, and the only way to get tweeners is to wave them, get them, you know, get them vetted in the in the minor leagues, and take roll the dice. And now that the dice has rolled, you know, boxcars. It's it's happy times for Holland. He's got all the flexibility that he could hope for today. In the meantime, his 21-man roster remains exactly the same 20 guys that I posted in a, a roster I'm looking at dated September 13th. Yeah. Right? Like, that's four weeks ago. And uh, it's the exact same 20 guys. And the 21st guy is Marcus Niemelainen for now. And by this time tomorrow, it'll probably be someone else. Yeah. And then by the time they actually play a game on Wednesday... Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll have 20 guys uh, available to play for him, if not 21. All right. So, um, yeah, Philip Broberg's on the team. I guess Eckholm and Kulak were back at practice and mm-hmm. skating hard. Ryan McLeod was there skating hard. So as the season comes around, um, uh, the Oilers are getting into better shape in terms of injury. I'm um, I'm curious to see the Matthias Ekholm um, Philip Broberg partnership that's been talked about. I think that could be really uh, pretty exciting. Actually, they're two big, mm-hmm. very mobile Broberg more 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 mobile, um, but <coughs> Ekholm more steady. Obviously, the veteran player. I think that might be an interesting partnership. CC and Kulak as a third pairing oh. is a very strong third pairing in the mm-hmm. NHL. And it's a lot of money tied up in that spot. Mm-hmm. And it might open up a trade as the season mm-hmm. goes along for one of CC or Kulak being moved out. Um, but we'll see how that goes. And then there's Bouchard and Nurse, you know, who have had their up and ups and downs in preseason as they've been uh, coasting somewhat now and then. But, um, you know, they're both really high high skill players. 
who are outstanding hockey players. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about this this regular season, Bruce. I mean, Connor Brown has looked fantastic to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Campbell has has looked as better than he ever looked last year in the preseason. So, um, we're entering the season on a real high note, and we'll see how it goes from here. Yeah, well, that's that's for sure. I'm looking forward to this business of uh, not being in cap jail for the first time in several years. Yeah. Like really, all the time that Holland's been here, because uh, Kleffbaum uh, was done at the end of his first season and never came back, and that you know there was just no way out of that, uh, no realistic way out of that. And even in the first year, when you know COVID hit in March and it messed everything up, and of course the cap itself hasn't moved, so. Uh, what we haven't seen, we've we've seen machinations to magically stay below the cap figure every single day for the entire season, which is the which is the cap jail I referred to. Now mm-hmm. we get to see how the other half live, of what you can do with your cap space um, when you don't have this restriction. You can actually accumulate cap space over the season. And my understanding is not having followed it closely, a team that can do this for the last few years. I'm keen to see what kind of stunts they pull in terms of putting guys on and off the roster when there's a break in the action, you know, try and save a little bit of cap space yeah. in that fashion. Yeah. So, and in the meantime, uh, uh, you know, during the 30 days, I think that the guys, um, uh, been called up from the minors who's cleared waivers i think you can sort of move that guy on and off the roster at will so uh i'm keen to learn more i mean it's uh it's uh, going to be a new experience and uh ken holland you know for all his critics he's an old hand at some of this stuff and i frankly thought he did a pretty masterful job of keeping the team within the cap uh in the last uh, couple of years and moving out cap that wasn't providing value and replacing it with uh, either cap that did provide value or even retained salary guys that overprovided, you know. So he, he pulled off some pretty sly moves in there, not that he gets a lot of credit for it generally. Um, but um, uh, this will be a new test of how, okay, how do you make that cap space work for you? And how do you turn sort of $300,000 below the, uh, below the cap ceiling into more uh, so that when you get to the deadline, you can go out and get a real player. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see how he and his uh, team handle that, or we won't see because a lot of it will be done pretty pretty slyly behind the scenes. You know, these little moves here and there that aren't really headline grabbers, but they're cap space savers. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what comes out. This is where... Having a lawyer like uh, Ira Cooper in our corner is sometimes useful because there's an awful lot of fine print in that damn CBA. Bruce, it's always useful. And and the difference between me and you is you you sometimes go there trying to interpret what's going on, and I've just given up. Like no. I, <clears throat> I just get it. You know, I generally have an idea of it, but I don't try to. I just it's just so fraught. And complicated. And even lawyers, uh, I think, have, I mean, Iris talked about he, he can sometimes read things and not be sure exactly right. what it means. I was just thinking of, um, you know, the Joe Scott Bukestad move last year where 
Holland found the cap space to bring in, or Nick Bugstad, excuse me. Oh. And um, he found the cap space to do that in a very kind of sly way. Uh, moving, <coughs> excuse me, moving Michael Kesselring to Arizona. I'm just looking at cap friendly right now. I see Kesselring is not, didn't make the Arizona roster okay. um, just now. So that's interesting. They signed a lot of veteran defensemen, though. They signed, you know, they Matt Dumba, they traded for Sean Dersey. I think they signed Troy Stetcher. Um, they've got Travis Dermott and Yuso Valamaki. So they've got a lot of kind of veteran uh, D-men that they brought in there. So close the door for him there. Bruce, um, any um, the one thing I'm excited about, one of the things I'm excited about, I mentioned Ekholm Broberg. I'm really excited to see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this third line that they've got of uh, Ryan McLeod, Warren Fogle, and uh, Dylan Holloway. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, this this strikes me as a really good place for Dylan Holloway to start instead of on the top six as in last year. A um, mm-hmm. little less pressure. Uh, he's been flying, absolutely flying in preseason. We know Ryan McLeod skate the lights out. And Warren Fogel's pretty fast hockey players. Oh. All of them are big. All of them can be physical. Um, Holloway and Fogel are more physical than McLeod. Mm-hmm. Um, Holloway seems to have a little bit of nastiness to his game, even, I would say. So mm-hmm. uh, this is the third line, which is exciting. Um, it's full of uh, guys who can um, make an impact on the game. Not necessarily by scoring, but certainly by rushing the puck and making plays, of the, you know, attacking the net. So I'm excited about this one. Well, they can get the puck moving north and they can, you know, get it spending some time in the other team's zone and, and you know, bang some bodies a bit and control the action. Uh, I thought uh, Fogel and McLeod were really good at that during the latter portion of last season, that they developed some real chemistry between them. And it's pretty hard not to get uh, excited about um uh, Dylan Holloway's future. I mean, you, you see so much and you, you hear sort of knowledgeable insiders, you know, talk about how strong his play is away from the puck, you know, in terms of his positioning, his puck support, his, you know, defensive uh, positioning for, you know, it's sort of his natural game. I mean, he's still got to get the errors out of the game, but it's not like he's standing around in the wrong place. You know, it's he's skating, he's moving, he's and he's got a, a pretty solid fundamental. And he also has a track record, David, of uh, having an okay rookie season and then a fantastic second year, as he did in he the does. HAHL, as he did in in her and uh, uh, NC2A hockey, and arguably as he did in the AHL when he in his second year, <coughs> seven goals in twelve games, I think it was, and you know, it just sort of. Get, getting a second exposure to the same level of competition, and he just grows and uh, and improves. So there's lots of reason to be excited about that line. And uh, of course, in uh, those second years, he would have got more power. I'm guessing more power play time. Mm-hmm. That he won't, won't be, be happening. That that won't be happening here. But listen, he could easily move up to the to the top six mm-hmm. um, if there's any injury at all. Obviously, mm-hmm. he, he'd be a prime suspect for. Heading right up there, prime prospect, I guess, for moving right up into the top six. So, I mean, it's it's important. This is that wasn't the Broberg and Holloway picks were major picks for the Edmonton Honors. They have yet to pan out, um, 
And if both of them do, though, this year, and they both, to me, show every signal that they're going to. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought Philip Roberg just got better and better and better in the preseason. Right. And yes. uh, Holloway was a star of the preseason. So mm-hmm. um, if these two picks work out and these, these players actually, you know, uh, demonstrate the class and the quality that I think they have, that I've seen in them, um, it could be huge for the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, just okay. adds just adds the kind of depth uh, element that, you, that really good teams have. Yeah, well, Evan Bouchard was just a year ahead of um, Broberg, of course, and uh, you notice that Holland mentioned all three of those guys, Bouchard, Broberg, and Holloway, as, as young guys, and said none of them sort of came in and just suddenly played 80 games, right? They kind of worked their way in over, you know, part of one season, then the beginning part of the next season, and then, you know, eventually they became full-timers and those are first round picks so uh you've got ryan mcleod who would also fit the same bill and and uh uh, who was a high second rounder so i wouldn't say we're not into play to be writing off raphael lavois it's just he's a little bit behind those guys and that he went all the way through his elc and he's still on the outside looking in for now yeah and maybe he'll um take a step forward in terms of his physical play, which I, I do think he needs to take um, in the AHL level and keep his scoring up. And <clears throat> I mean, Clem Costin came out of nowhere. He was mm-hmm. um, discarded by one organization, essentially, and um, yep. um, had, had had okay success at the AHL level. And then he gets to Edmonton, and he just made up his mind, I think, he was going to make an impact, and he did. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do in Detroit this year, but he, if he builds on what he did at Edmonton, he's going to be a hell of a player for the Red Wings. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll see if he does that. He may not. That that doesn't always that doesn't always pan out. But he's a they're they're going to miss what he brought that yes, energy. And Holloway to... Holloway might provide some of it, it, it. I guess is what I'm hoping. Yeah. Well, because, they certainly uh, need to replace some of that. Now, of course, Holloway himself was on the team for a big chunk of last year, but not at the end of it, nor in the playoffs. Yeah. But he did play over 50 games here. So the way it is right now, I mean, if you look at the 11 forwards on the team, only one of them's new to the team, Connor Brown, that they picked up in the offseason. Uh, they replaced uh, Kyler, uh, well, they moved out Kyler Yamamoto and Clean Costin in the same trade. Uh, they lost Nick Dukestad, uh uh, they just couldn't afford him on the open market, uh, nor could they afford clean costing. But uh, they were able to keep guys around that they've got uh, 10 returning forwards. And of them, really, only Dylan Holloway is still a young and improving player that, you know, we don't know how high he's going to go, but we know that he's probably going to be better this year than he was last year. And in the meantime, the other guys are pretty proven commodities and the one switch there is, like, say, Brown in for Yamamoto at one quarter of the cap hit for this immediately upcoming season. So they've managed to get a high price, sneak a high price play, player into the lineup at a league minimum salary by using a wrinkle in the uh, uh, in the salary cap rules. Yeah, I think I did an earlier story during the summer about the core 12 players on the team. Mm-hmm. Top seven forwards, which is the mm-hmm. forwards on the top two lines and usually your third line center. Mm-hmm. Top 4D and your top goalie. And it looks like the Oilers core 12, <clears throat> other than Connor Brown, is 
there could be some other changes though. I mean, CC could move out of the core 12, for instance, and Broberg could and move Philip in. Broberg could move into it. You know, mm-hmm. that's probably unlikely. Stuart Skinner was in the core 12 last year at the end of last year and mm-hmm. Jack Campbell could take over, but we could also see Stu Skinner um, assert himself again in, in a core 12 role. But this is one of the most stable Oilers teams that we've seen oh. since, you know, the, <laughs> the 1980s glory era when the core 12 usually saw one or two replacements each season, often internal, often guys who had been with the team and then worked their way up into the, um, you know, the core, into mm-hmm. the, the uh, core 12. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So this is a very stable team. That's usually a good sign. Um, and it sure is right now, Bruce. I mean, this is a, mm-hmm. this is just a really talented team and having, um, I, I think a solid defensive system in, in, in terms of the zone that they're going to play more and, uh, one more really solid defensive player in terms of Connor Brown. Um, I'm, yeah. I, I'm glad about that. Yeah, well, they got they got twenty guys. I mean, let's not count Nimalainen, who's on the roster for for now, but that's a, probably a transitional thing. But of the twenty sort of healthy guys, or at least guys healthy enough to skate at practice today, nineteen of them are returning Oilers. Right? Wow! Yeah, Connor Brown's like even in this in the Cup years, say they would change out three or four guys over the course of the summer just to keep them hungry, you know. And so this team is is. Um, you know, they lost a couple of guys, uh, but like mentioned, Dylan Holloway didn't finish the season with the team, but he's still a returning player. And all the other guys were here right into the into the playoffs and playing games. So it's, uh, uh, I guess I kind of understand where Holland's coming from with the don't want a young player in there. On the other hand, I'm not sure I agree with him in that why not have a young guy somewhere in the lineup you know? yeah your 12th forward is not going to be the difference between winning and losing very often your top 11 are more than good enough to win a lot of games and so and it's not like veterans don't ever make mistakes and only young guys do because that definitely is not the case i mean when i saw the seattle game the other night i thought lane peterson had troubles defensively much more than rafa labois did yeah i think that's fair I mean, Peter uh, Holland won uh, cups with very veteran teams in Detroit. This is what he believes in, in terms of a uh, success, a formula for success. So um, it's worked with Detroit having these, you know, lots of guys in your 30s <coughs> on the team. So um, I'm not against it. I want to, I want to yeah, see how this plays out. I mean. This is the this has been framed as the uh, Stanley Cup or bust season for the Edmonton Oilers. You know, I don't buy that. I don't th- see the team busting. Um, I, I see this as a pretty solid team. I mean, we just saw Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck sign new seven-year deals in Winnipeg. So um, Canadian teams are able to <coughs> retain top talent if you treat the players right. Mm-hmm. And I see the Oilers franchise treating their players right. And with a with a real window to win the Stanley Cup easily in the, <coughs> every year for the next five years with this group of players. So, um, I mean, when the when the Red Wings won with Babcock as the coach in uh, two thousand seven oh eight, I believe Chris Chelios 
45, Dominic Hasek, 42, Dallas Drake, 38, Nicholas Lidstrom, 37, Chris Draper, 36, Darren McCarty, 35, Chris Osgood, 34, <laughs> Kirk Maltby, 34, Thomas Holmstrom, 34, wow. Aaron Downey, 33, Brian Rafalski, 33, Andre Lilia, 32, Mikhail Samuelson, 30, um, and then the the two stars of that team, Pavel Duke, Datsuk, 29, and Henrik Zetterberg, 26. So the two stars, I mean, that's equivalent, it's sort of equivalent in ages to McDavid and Dreisaitl on the current team. Right. Like if you look at the Oilers' top six right now, <coughs> uh, McDavid, Kane, and Brown, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Hyman, uh, McDavid is the youngest guy there, and he's 26 turning 27 this year. And I think the oldest is Vander Kane. He's just turned 32. And the, the yeah. whole group is in that 27 to 32 sort of sweet spot yeah. of, you know, near the height of their careers. And so they, they've, they you know, they're certainly ready for go time. And uh, so my guess is that a guy like Adam Ernie, who did play with the Lightning, uh, come up with the Lightning system and, and have some success there. Um as a you know fourth line body banger you know that he, he's got a shot at that spot and uh he does have 355 more games of NHL experience than Rafa Lavoie has and clearly the organization values experience all right Bruce any final thoughts before we sign off tonight uh well they, they had the lines out for uh in and practice today and they reported three 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 and two of course they only had two men on the fourth line uh, Matthias Janmark and Derek Ryan who would either have a you know a forward like one of the centers come down and play with them most likely as they go through the game the standard Jay Woodcross style anyway the the lines are exactly as I posted on September 13th and here we are a month later, and the lines even are correct, not just the play, who the play, 11 players are, <laughs> who's playing with who. And that is stable. When, you know, you talk about stable, they were stable last year. There was two battles in training camp last year. There was a battle between Ryan and Yarnmark because they could only afford one of them at the contract. Yeah. Had. And then there was a battle between Brad Malone and was it Greg McKegg for like the depth center position uh, because they could afford that guy. And even then they, they uh, moved him out and brought Devin Shore back. And then they were, you know, they were good to go for a while. Like the, the, the team was like obvious weeks before camp broke as to who would be on the team with one or two little exceptions. So there's certainly stability, maybe too, too much, maybe rigidity, but it's, uh, uh, you know, it's oil country being oil company. We're all happy to argue about the 12th forward just as vehemently as we might argue about who would be the number one defenseman or the starting goalie because that's how we roll in oil country. Yeah. But honestly, who plays the 12th forward is is um, not going to be the difference maker on most nights. Like, we the got a pretty uh, solid team that should be expected to win 50-plus games, in my opinion. Yeah, on TSN, the Oilers had the number one and number two players in the NHL, <laughs> Connor bad. McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And they're both centers, Bruce. I mean, how, you know, remember all those years in the decade of darkness where we were just like, we need a number one center. We're desperate for a number mm -hmm. one center. And now they've got 
the two best players in the NHL, both centers. <coughs> you know, and a, and a veteran team, this, this Oilers team, the change in the Oilers team is in systems play. And it's fairly dramatic. Um, I think this has been downplayed so much. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, um, the coaches, I don't think want to say, well, you know, we totally screwed it up last year. We're overhauling our systems completely. Um, that's not a really a, a message the coaches are, are stressing, but they really are fundamentally changing some major systems on this team in terms of both their neutral zone play and their defensive zone play. These aren't small changes, but I think having a veteran team allows you to um, to bring in major systemic change like this and have players adapt to it fairly quickly. You would hope, I would hope this is the case, that the players will all adapt very quickly and that many of them already have played, for instance, the zone and in the NHL. Um, not all of them have, but that the, the change is going to be fairly seamless. So we'll see how that goes. I think it's one of the interesting things we'll see in the, in the next 10 days, um, how much they use the, the, uh, the trap that they're bringing in in the neutral zone. And, and if in fact they, they do mainly go with the zone, which is what I saw them do in preseason. I never saw them go man to man. Um, in the games that I watched, they were playing a zone. So I like, I mean, there's some people saying, well, they're going to use the zone a little bit of the time and blow. No, that's their fundamental. <laughs> that's their that's their backbone mm-hmm. is the zone. This is what they're doing, and they're going to see. You know, maybe 20 games into it, if it's a disaster, it's not going to be a disaster, Bruce. What what we've seen in the preseason, I believe, is chances, but not the chaos, not the cross team chances that we saw previously and including against Vegas in the playoffs. So I think it's working so far. It's not perfect. No defensive system is, but I do, I do see more stability, more calmness in their game than I've seen in the past. Yeah. Well, we've, and we saw a lot of low scoring games, David. I mean, the uh, Oilers won games by two, one, uh, three, one, four, one, uh, 2-1, 2-1, again, there was at least two 2-1s and a 3-1 and a 4-1 that they won by. And, of course, three of those were Jack Campbell's games. Oh, and there was another three. Yeah, they gave in one goal in all five of the games that they won. One goal against. Um, so it may not be the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the 5-4 thriller might turn into the 3-1 sleeper. But as long as you're the team with the three and not the one, then you're fans are going to be happy happier than not most nights so yeah that's uh, they seem now to be sort of let's let's see if we can win games in a different way and as preseason went along that you know it, with all of the usual huge caveats about preseason hockey but they were able to accomplish that objective of keeping games tight finding a way to win them indeed so. all right Let's leave it there, Bruce. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.